Hey, this is Matt with Marciante and Company. And if you are passionate about improving your communication skills, you absolutely need to be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. What's up, guys? Today, I got to interview Matt Marcianti, who is the founder and CEO of the Marcianti Company, where they make high-quality leather boots, footwear, and other leather apparel. Um, super awesome craftsmanship, but they make it at a really reasonable price. Really, really great products. You guys have to check it out. But what we talked about in the interview is how he came about the idea for the company and how he brought that into fruition and his journey of building and leading the company. We also talked about how he was able to leverage his network to surpass his Kickstarter campaign goal on the first night, which was pretty amazing. And we go pretty deep into his style of leadership, which if I had to sum it up in one word, I would say it's it's caring. Right? He cares about the folks on his team, and it really comes through in how he talks about them. It's what makes him an amazing leader. So, listen, guys, Matt built his company the right way, and there's a lot that we can learn from him. He built it on relationships, quality, and authenticity. So I hope you guys take some value away from this episode. Matt, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. We're really excited to have you on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I think we can learn a lot about uh, kind of your startup story, if you will, and kind of your transformation from what you were doing before and how you kind of started and built your business. A lot of entrepreneurs listen to the show, and um, I'd love to get into some of those lessons on, you know, how you leveraged your network, how you raise funds, and, and how you lead folks today. So we'll get into all that, but I'd love if we could just kick it off by telling us a little bit about your company. Yeah, so um, a few years ago, my wife and I started a leather footwear and accessories company, Marciante and Company. Basically, kind of the idea uh, at the time was to tackle uh, a space that has been, you know, basically run the same way for a really long time. And that's high quality leather products are made. There's a huge inflated price markup. And for the leather products that are a lower price, a lot of corners are cut on the quality side of things. And so we wanted to kind of create a new space in the middle where we could make a high quality product, but sell it at a much more affordable price. And so we came up with a, a tagline that kind of cap encapsulated what we were trying to do. And that's leather for the people. And basically we wanted to take something that's a lot of times seen as a luxury item and make it more attainable for anyone. Very cool. Very cool. And, uh, you know, taking a look at your website, some tremendous products on there. So really cool stuff and love the idea of, a really high quality product that's very affordable because uh, and for leather specifically, I think it's really hard to find, especially in footwear. Uh, you know, I've definitely struggled to kind of find the right fit as far as that goes right now in the summer though, I'm kind of all sandals. So life is pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but so in your previous life before this, right, I know, I believe you worked for a congregation, right? And, and you were doing some outreach and speaking with them. 
and then you kind of got the bug here to start this company. So I'd love to walk for you to walk us through how you started to make that transition. Yeah, I was um, I was in ministry for uh, a little over five years, and like you said, a lot of it was community focused, and so you know. I was preaching at uh, services, both at a church or sometimes it would be at a school or doing, you know, a, like a FCA pep rally or pregame locker room speech to a football team or, you know, things like that, kind of motivational type speaking and a lot of mentoring for students, kind of trying to help them find find purpose, find what they want to do and things like that. And so you know, a big component, really the driving component for me was helping people. Just, you know, I just love people and love to help people. I love to find ways to get creative and problem solving and, and just to help people where they are. And so I know there's a, there's a grand canyon of difference between working in ministry and starting a business. Um, but I think that was kind of the common thread, like the connecting thread is it, uh, it was just a different vehicle for me to do the same thing. And that's essentially helping people. And so, I grew up around leather footwear specifically. My dad has worked in the industry for pretty much my whole life. And so I always had an interest in it. And, you know, when you're a pastor, especially a youth pastor, the dress code, the unspoken dress code is uh, skinny jeans and Chelsea boots. And so, (laughs) um, you know, I was looking, I found myself on the search for a nice pair of Chelsea boots. And what I was really disappointed to find is that the market offering was, very, you know, very, very expensive inflated pricing on the high quality products. Um, or you can settle for the, you know, 200 and under range, and you're going to end up with uh, something that's either very uncomfortable or fake leather or very cheaply thrown together, kind of the fast fashion type route. And so I definitely didn't want that. But I also didn't want to, you know, spend a, f- a small fortune on a pair of shoes. And so I just kind of asked the question why, and it just kind of stuck with me. And so the more I researched, the more I saw that there actually, there was a great opportunity to, to kind of carve a space there that hadn't been done before. And along the way, something that honestly really motivated and inspired me as well is when I had to start wearing glasses, most of my life, I haven't had to wear glasses in about five, six, maybe seven years ago at the most, I, I did have to start wearing glasses. I got a prescription and first pair I bought, the frames were super expensive, even after, you know, great insurance coverage and they broke within just a few months. And so very disappointing experience. And then I was introduced to Warby Parker and really kind of fell in love with their story and what they were trying to do, you know, and very similar to how we've, we've built our company as well. They did some research on the supplier and manufacturing side of things and did some design work ourselves and found that it is possible to make a great quality product and cut out a lot of the the fluff or kind of the middleman type layers, go direct to the consumer and sell a quality product at a much more affordable, affordable price. And so that's, yeah, that's kind of what we decided to do. And beginning of 2017, I left my full-time job and took the leap. Scary. <laughs> was definitely <laughs> not not how did you raise the funding to kind of take that leap and get started yeah so actually i took the leap the beginning of the year 2017 and spent about 6 months crafting the brand so at that point we had some prototypes um kind of the basic designs and we spent 6 months you know building a brand as far as 
uh, what's the aesthetic? What is it going to look like? What is our site, social media, logos, colors, like really the whole, the whole look and feel of the brand. What is our messaging? What do we want people to be able to connect with? And even fine tuning a lot of those designs, um, choosing leathers that we really liked and getting the fit we really liked and, you know, both men's and women's styles. And we felt like we're, we're timeless and classic, not something that's going to kind of be a flash in the pan or, you know, fast fashion where it's kind of here today and gone tomorrow, but things that have been around for a while and that are going to continue to be around and how can we make our own great version of those shoes. And so once we kind of felt comfortable with what we had, we did a, a few photo shoots, got some video work done uh, put together, you know, a splash page. And then we actually built a Kickstarter campaign and ran a 30 day Kickstarter campaign with a goal of raising $10,000, which was just, just enough to kind of get our foot in the door with the manufacturer. And, you know, we were like, let's just do a small batch of inventory, open up the website and see what happens. And so we planned a, a launch party the first night of the Kickstarter campaign to kind of invite friends and family and, you know, anyone that would be there just to kind of kick things off and celebrate and kind of draw as much attention to the campaign as we could on the first day. And we actually ended up surpassing our $10,000 goal about an hour before the party started on the first day. So that's amazing. uh, Yeah, it was great. And so obviously the, you know, the mood of the party changed pretty significantly. Like once we, we hit that goal and as a result of that happening so quickly, we picked up some, you know, some local press, like some people ran with the story and it was great. Yeah. The support kind of snowballed and then we, we actually ended up raising about three and a half times what we needed to, to get our foot in the door. And so, yeah, we were able to, to roll those funds into our first batch of inventory and, you know, some shipping and marketing supplies and getting the website off the ground. And September of 2017, we hit the ground running. Yeah, that's, that's tremendous. So, you know, a lot of folks are maybe at that spot right now, right? Where they're thinking about how do I raise funding to do what I want to do? I'm curious kind of how important your network was. I think it was pretty important given that you were able to hit that goal right off the bat. And so those were mostly folks that you already knew and had relationships with, right? And I'm also curious of kind of how you started broaching that conversation with them initially, because I know that's an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of folks. Yeah, for sure. And even for, for myself personally and my wife as well, neither one of us are what we would call salespeople. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically, you know, we, we've literally built a company that's, that's based on selling a product, uh, but we both hate to quote unquote sell. Mm-hmm. And so what we found is really, we left it pretty open-ended. And so we had a series of conversations with family members and friends, and we tried to do it in small groups so that we could have a deeper conversation about it and really express our heart and what we were trying to do. Um, and really tell the story behind what we're doing rather than just selling them a product. And we kind of, you know, explain to them how important the Kickstarter was and how that could help us, you know, get this off the ground and get things started the right way. And so what we did is we, you know, we let them know with something like Kickstarter in particular, where they're counting the number of backers that you receive and the number of people that are participating, you know, we let them know like, hey, even if you can if you can do a dollar, if you can do $10, if you can do a thousand dollars, like anything that you're willing to contribute, we're super, super thankful for it. Even if it's just a dollar and then you post on social media, you know, that's, that's huge for us. Like really any amount of support is extremely welcome. And, you know, we are open to, you know, anyone and everyone that's willing to get behind us and back this. Um, Because in a lot of ways, you know, again, leveraging your network and being able to expand that to kind of be 
the outer rings that you may not be able to directly reach. Sometimes if someone posts on their Instagram or on Twitter or Facebook for you, that can be, you know, 10 times more valuable than if they purchase one pair of shoes or, you know, pledge $10 to your Kickstarter campaign. So we just kind of opened it up that way and let people know that, you know, there's a variety of ways that, that they can support us, whether it's financial or not. And that, you know, we were, we were thrilled with, with any amount of support they were willing to give. Yeah. I, I love your approach around just kind of, I think, honestly and authentically sharing your heart, right. And, and why you were excited about doing this, not trying to sell them on some great investment. You know, you were, I think that makes it easier to have that conversation with folks who care about your life. I think it's hard to go have the conversation with, Hey, invest in my business. You know, that's, it's a different kind of conversation. Yeah. With a different kind of tone. Interesting. So launched a company, had some success. Tell me about, and you know, how do you find folks to work for the company that are a good cultural fit? And then how do you think about leading the company? Like what's your philosophy around leadership? Oh man. Two big questions there, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) Feel free to break them up. Yeah. Particularly the, the leadership one. So I'll start with hiring, you know, culture is huge for us, especially with, you know, with how personal this is and how personal the mission is like what we're trying to accomplish. And it's not just a matter of package up this order and get it out the door. It's we do everything with care. We do everything with excellence. And, you know, when we, when we pick a tagline like leather for the people, it kind of creates a standard that, you know, we forever, we want to, but also we have to live up to because we've, you know, we've put it out there for the world to see now we can't, you know, not that we would want to, but we can't backtrack and turn into a fast fashion brand now that just wants to make a quick buck at the expense of, you know, some sucker that's willing to to buy something. We want people to genuinely be happy with their, their experience with our company from, from the customer service to the shopping experience to um, even receiving the products. We want them to put a shoe on and, and feel great about that purchase, you know, feel like that's something they're going to enjoy for a long time, that it's money well spent. And so we do have to find people that share those same values, that care about people, that care about excellence enough that they're going to pay attention to details, um, small details, the way that they, the way they talk to people, the way they, you know, man, all the way down to the way they treat the workspace, because that tells us a lot about, you know, what, what kind of things they pay attention to, what type of details that they notice. Cause even if leaving a workspace dirty, you're kind of, you're setting up a tripwire almost for the next person because you're not making their job any easier. So if you're not looking out for the other coworkers, then how can we trust that you're going to be looking out for the people that you never get to physically see in person, which is the customer on the other side of that package. So it's tricky. I would say our hiring process is very personal. It's very relational. And, you know, honestly, we believe that as long as they come to the table with some basic competencies, almost everything else can be taught with time. And so really what kind of person they are, the way their mind works, the way they interact with people, those types of things are much more important to us. Uh, Obviously there are some areas that are a little more specialized as far as, you know, marketing where you're going to need some technical skills and some experience and things like that. But on a very basic level, when it comes to order fulfillment or production or things like that, it's really just a matter of, are these the type of people that, can align with our values. Are these the kind of people that we would want to spend time with outside of work? Um, because that would tell us a lot about working with them. So 
And those things can be really hard to assess when you're first meeting somebody in the interview process, right? Um, and you try to make it as personal as you can, but that just becomes challenging in that in, in that arena, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, that over time you kind of learn to pick up on in conversation and, and body language and things like that. And, you know, I've heard some stories of people in an interview process that will do things like, you know, take someone with, you know, Hey, come run this errand with me. And they'll intentionally walk through, you know, like a store parking lot and, and walk over to an area where they see some trash on the ground to see if the person will pick it up or, you know, walk past kind of like a a stray shopping cart and see if that is the kind of person that would grab it and return it to its place. And so I haven't tried any tactics like that, Um, (laughs) but, you know, just kind of asking people about their previous experience and, just kind of what their outlook is on life and what their, what their relational approach was to, you know, previous team, previous bosses, things like that. I think you can learn a lot about people just from the way they treat other people. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another one to look out for is like, if you're having lunch with somebody, how do they treat the waiter? How do they treat the server? Or if they've, you know, interacted with other folks in your company to set up the interview, how'd they treat them? You know, um, and I think most folks in an interview process are looking to treat everybody around really well so that they look good. But um, still, I think you can catch some things there. You can you can catch if they're being genuine or not. Yeah, absolutely. So the bigger question then, kind of what's your philosophy around leadership as your company continues to grow? Yeah. You know, I think my wife and I have taken a pretty different approach since day one. You know, in a lot of ways, I always tell people, I feel like we built this company backwards in a sense of a lot of people will focus on the sales and the volume first, you know, like how can we, let's get this to market, let's get it to market and let's get some sales in the door and then we'll figure out how to scale as we go. Right. And so a lot of times what you will see, and even if you look at some, some restaurants that you know, start off a little bit smaller and then become a chain and then the chain kind of explodes. And then over time you see the quality of the food start to come down. I feel like that's, that's an unsuccessful scaling attempt. And we didn't want to see that happen again. Like, you know, the character, the integrity in our brand, especially since we're putting our name on it was extremely important to us. And so we've, we spent almost exclusively, we spent our time early on on the product itself, on the relationship with manufacturers, on the packaging, on the type of materials that we're using, making our products like to really create the best version of it, but then also learning the ins and outs of the leather working process in the US and in Mexico. Mexico is where we get a lot of our leather from, and that's where our shoes are made. And so even learning how the industry works down there to ensure that we would be able to scale and to take the, take the precautions or the, you know, the necessary measurements to ensure that if we order 10 shoes or a thousand shoes or 10,000 shoes, that the quality is going to be the same no matter what. And so like, you know, what are the steps we need to take to kind of ensure that process and solidify that process so that we are ready to scale by the time we get there. And so we focus on a lot of those things first, relationships with people, uh, a lot of things like even internally, and man, if 2020 is not a, a Petri dish for, you know, the measurement of a leader, then I'm not sure what is. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, again, like this has been, 
this is a, this is going to be a really weird way to say this. Um, but I feel like for a good leader, like 2020 is kind of your time to shine because it's like, if you have said, which and I'll say it this way, my wife and I have made mental health, emotional health, consistency, things like that, like very high priority to us long before anything that happened this year happened. And so, you know, here comes March and all of a sudden the world gets turned upside down for four or five months at a time, still consistently, even going on today, that's an opportunity to put your money where your mouth is, you know, and like we've been saying that for so long, but now that we have people that are facing, you know, mental health, emotional health issues that are, you know, you're stuck at home for days on end at a time, you're not able to do the type of things you were doing before your whole life looks different now. How are you going to handle that? And are you still willing to do the things that you said? And so, yeah, you know, I think, it's it's very personal for us and so we we probably err on the side of over communication i would say when it comes to talking to our team about how we are feeling personally and as far as the direction of the company and as far as you know things we're excited about things we're concerned with we probably let our team know those things well before another corporation would and it's because we want to take them with us. We don't want to drag our team behind us. We want them to walk into it with us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when when COVID starts happening, we're processing what that looks like as a team. Like, hey, you know, we're not going to put these kind of restrictions in place. Like, if we see you hanging out with other people, you're fired. But we want to tell you, you know, as the leaders of this business, here's how we personally are handling this situation. We would recommend you do the same thing. But again, like, you're free to express yourself. You can do whatever you feel comfortable with. And then all we asked for was an open line of communication. And so, you know, we had times when people would come up, you know, people on our team would come up to us and, Hey, you know, full transparency. I'm planning on going to this event this weekend. There's going to be a lot of people. I think it's going to be okay, but to be safe, like, you know, maybe it would be better if I stay home for a few days after that. And, you know, obviously that's not ideal for us because we, you know, from a business standpoint, we need people in the building, but if that's what makes them more comfortable, then, you know, by all means, like, absolutely. That's what we want. And we've taken, we've given people days off so that they could go get a test just so that they can, you know, feel secure. And we've given people mental health days, you know, where we can feel it. We can feel the room, you know, walk in and say like, Hey guys, you know what? Like, let's call it at lunch today. And I think, you know, if we're, if we're burning the candle at both ends, like there's only so much we're going to get done today anyway. So, you know, why don't you go home, take a nap, drink some coffee, watch a movie, you know, whatever, whatever refills you, like just take some time for yourself this afternoon and let's get back to it tomorrow morning. So I think taking care of our people has absolutely been a priority, but I think that has overflowed into our business as well. I think we, that has provided us more opportunities to, to do things for our community, to, to have conversations with other organizations, other business owners, um, even in terms of the, the protesting and the racial issues and the tension that are going on, we've gotten to have a lot of open dialogue about those things. We have a very diverse team. And so that's something that, you know, that we celebrate and we've loved getting to have conversations about that we can help if, if nothing else, we can help a very small group of people navigate these things in a very healthy way. Um, and then we see a trickle down effect because then they feel more comfortable having these conversations with 
their family, with their friends and with, you know, people outside of our immediate sphere of influence. And so, yeah, I think leadership has to be personal. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a one size fits all. I think there are, there are some principles, you know, kind of some cornerstone principles, taking, you know, taking care of your people, paying attention to detail, leading by example. Again, like one of those things we're never going to ask people to do something that we wouldn't be willing to do ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, We lead the charge when it comes to that standard of excellence. And when it comes to, you know, customer service, we'll jump, we jump in and answer emails all the time. We jump in and answer Facebook messages or take the tough phone calls or, you know, things like that, like Mm -hmm. to handle difficult situations or to, to put out fires. Like we jump in, we want to do that stuff. We want to be a part of it again, like because the business is very personal to us, but also we want the people around us to feel comfortable with, with the tough situations. And so we do try to lead by example as much as possible. Sounds like a a great place to work. I hope so. <laughs> goal for sure. Now you mentioned your wife a few times. So you guys are kind of partners in the business. She plays a very active role as well. I know myself, I think I would have significant challenges working with my wife all day. Um, I, some couples are great at it. I just love to hear your thoughts on, on how you balance your, your marriage while also working closely, so closely together on your business. Yeah. I think boundaries are crucial. Yeah. So I think, you know, on paper and even just in our personalities, we complement each other very well. We have very opposite strengths. For example, I, I am an extrovert. I get my energy from being around people. And I love to, I love to jump into deeper conversations and longer conversations, but I'm usually pretty slow to warm up to people. My wife is the exact opposite. She is everyone's best friend immediately, um, but she's also an introvert. So she has a, a very finite amount of time that she's willing to spend in a social setting before she runs out of gas and it's time to go. And she might even just wait for me in the car. <laughs> um, so even like if we walk into a social event or a networking event or something of that sort, she's the one to break the ice. You know, she's the one to introduce us in a group of people like, hey, you know, I'm Jacqueline. This is my husband, Matt, you know, kind of stir things up and then few minutes later she's out and she might go you know get us something to drink or go sit down or you know take a social media break or something and I'm the one that's kind of pushing the conversation along and and uh talking details and giving context and things like that and so yeah and then even you know even in our workspace uh we've got our strengths you know she's very very marketing minded very design minded and so she's got her hands on a lot of um, the textiles, the the packaging design, the product design, how things are displayed, how things are presented, you know, online, handling a lot of the social media, the photography and things like that. And my strength is more on the, the systems and efficiencies side. And so I'm, you know, I'm looking for, again, like opportunities to scale, but opportunities to do it more effectively, um, to, to do something in a smaller amount of time to make it easier for our team you know, less waste, things like that. I think one of the things that kind of becomes the glue for us and working together is that we both share the same love for people and we're both, it's a high enough priority for both of us that either one of us are willing to drop whatever we're doing to, to have a conversation with someone, to talk to someone, to be there for someone or to do something, even if it's just make a coffee run for the team. If you feel people dragging, you know, we're willing to drop what we're doing and go do that. That being said, you know, we do still 
live in the same room and sleep in the same bed. And so again, that's, you know, where boundaries come into play. And so we have to, we have to have definite times where we shut it off. That's another time. It's a, you know, it's another thing that we are, we're kind of opposites in. She is a morning person and I'm definitely a night owl. And so, you know, we spend our time during the day, kind of, you know, your typical work hours, and then we'll shut it down. We'll have dinner together, you know, watch a movie, do things like that. And then when she's tired and ready for bed, then I kind of have like a second shift. You know, when I, as an entrepreneur, there's always things that have to be done. There's always another email that needs to be sent or spreadsheet that needs to be made or a software that needs some tweaking. And so that's kind of, that's my night shift. You know, I'll put some headphones on and and kind of get to work. Um, And then the mornings, it's the opposite. She's the first one up. You know, she's the one making a couple phone calls or setting the schedule for the day or, you know, slacking. We utilize Slack. And so she'll be the one to Slack our team and kind of give them a heads up on new projects and organizing photo shoots and things like that while I'm kind of, you know, dragging my feet in the morning. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of balance to it. I think creating healthy boundaries is super important so that we are designating time that, you know, is kind of, is kind of off limits. Um, even Sundays in particular, we, we pretty much shut it down. Like we don't touch our computers at all on Sundays. And if we're on our phones at all, it's only for, you know, social media or fantasy football and things like that. And work is pretty much off limits. So, um, yeah, we have pretty strong boundaries and that's pretty high priority for us. Yeah, I mean, the boundary is clearly important. Also, I think it's so critical to understand each other's strengths like you clearly do. And I mean, important in a marriage for sure, but I think very important in any leadership relationship to understand what you're good at, but also being willing to admit that you're not as good as somebody else at certain things, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so very cool. So very cool. So just a couple of questions left that I'd like to ask everybody who I have on the show. Mm -hmm. The first is around the importance and power of conversations. So I always like to ask my guests if there's a conversation they can point to in their life that had a really meaningful impact on the direction that you ended up taking. Yeah, that's a good question. I actually did have a a conversation with a pastor at the church where I was working when, you know, I was very, I guess, close, close minded in a way to my approach that I wanted to help people. That was, you know, that was my priority. And the entire time I was working in ministry, getting to do that, I kind of had this closed minded approach that, you know, well, I guess this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I guess this is my career is mm-hmm. working in ministry. Cause that's how you help people. And then as this idea, you know, in the back of my head and my wife started to process it with me and we started talking through, you know, what if we did start a business and initially it was going to be just something we did for fun on the side but as the idea kind of started to pick up steam and we saw how much time commitment there was, there was, you know, kind of that moment of, of tension of, you know, am I going to walk away from this career that I really enjoy to pursue something that, you know, we don't have a ton of experience in. And so I had a conversation with a mentor of mine. He's one of the, the leaders at the church. And, you know, he's, he was kind of the one that encouraged me to, to take the leap, you know, and just kind of shared, kind of opened my eyes to the idea that, we would have the same opportunity to help people. It was just a different way. And we might have an opportunity to help a completely different group of people than who I would be able to help if I were continuing, you know, my work there at the church. And so that kind of shifted something in me to see, to see business, not so much as, even though it is a dramatically different industry, but rather than looking at it that way, that we were jumping industries that 
my approach to that industry could still be the same. Um, that we can lead things with character and integrity, that we could help people, that we can use this as, you know, really a platform or a stepping stone or even a, my preferred way of looking at it, a launch pad for the people on our team. You know, obviously, once we have good people on our team, we want them to stay around forever, you know, but I think what would make us even more happy than that is if they come to work for us, work on our team, and they pick up some things that help them grow as a person and grow into what their passions are. And then they can leave and go pursue their dreams and passions and become the best version of themselves. And so it's difficult because, you know, we don't want those people to leave and we have had it happen a couple of times already, but that's something that again, like I think he kind of helped shape my perspective on, on what building a company could look like and that we can lead it with an open hand. And, you know, while this person is here, they're very helpful to us, but also we want to do everything we can to help them leave as the best version of themselves when they're ready to move on to the next thing. And so I think that conversation in particular just really kind of helped shape my perspective on what this new adventure could potentially look like. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by the power that we can have on each other through our interactions and conversations, you know, and if he was in a bad mood that day and maybe gave you some different advice, you might end up in a completely different place right now. Right. Or maybe you, maybe you decided that you, you know, you weren't going to ask him that question and you never had that conversation. So it always amazes me the power that just one conversation can have. Yeah, absolutely. Second question, as you think about all that you've accomplished so far, if there's one communication skill that you could have in more abundance that would have made it a lot easier, what would that be? And I think I would say sales um, in particular. Uh, I think people that are gifted in the area of sales have a very unique way to communicate something very influential. It's very inspiring. Um, and, you know, there's the expression that a good salesman could sell a ketchup popsicle to an Eskimo in white gloves. Like the idea that you could sell something to someone that they don't even need or want if you're good enough, you know, at, at influencing people or inspiring people to do those things. And so I don't think I, I don't think I'm that type of person. You know, I don't think I could step into a room and, and find the one person that hates leather and sell them on some leather products uh, because I'm, you know, I'm that good with my words. And so I think our approach, and honestly, it's, it's worked for us. It's been a lot more natural. I just talk about things that I care about. Uh, and if I can share that passion, then people may connect to it and be interested in purchasing our products. But yeah, I guess, you know, that it may sound a little bit like a non-answer. Uh, no, not at all. But if I could be the kind of person that could just start a cold conversation and, and end it with someone wanting to buy whatever I have to sell, you know, obviously trying to build a business, I'm sure that would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, I think the best selling happens when you're communicating something you're truly passionate about and that links up with a need that somebody else has, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's certainly, you don't want to be in the business of convincing people that they to buy things that they don't actually need. I've never, so I've heard selling a popsicle to an Eskimo. I've never heard the ketchup part or the white gloves part. So that you <laughs> added some color to that for me now. I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, uh, last question for you. Who's the best communicator that you know? Either know personally or just know of? And why do you say that about them? The best communicator that I know. 
there's another there's a pastor here in the Dallas area. His name's Tim Ross, and he actually before he was a pastor, he was a uh, he was a musician, <laughs> he was a rapper, and he was a stand-up comedian. Wow! So very well-rounded uh, in his approach. He's an incredible storyteller, and I'm sure this ha- this helped him in all of those arenas. But he has an incredibly unique way of getting getting you to feel his emotion and connect to the story that he's telling in a way that you feel like you were there with him or you feel like you were a participant in that story. And it feels like you become a character in the story rather than just, you know, partaking in it from, from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's just, he's incredibly inspiring. He's very, he's very emotional when he speaks and he's very great. He's very good at projecting that emotion or projecting that passion and getting the crowd to, to feel it, to really feel what he's saying. So yeah, he's absolutely my favorite communicator. If I, if I can at least say that. Very cool. I'm going to have to go out on YouTube and see if I can, can find him. I'm sure he has some stuff out there. Um, yeah. so very, very cool. All right. So then last actual question, I guess for you is where can folks find you? Where can they, they find the products that you're selling, the great leather boots and, and everything else that you're selling? Yeah, so you can go to leatherforthepeople.com and that will take you to our Marciante and Company webpage. And then missionleatherco.com is the second brand that we acquired last year. Got it. All right. So definitely check those out. And Matt, just appreciate you coming on today and kind of sharing your story of how you got started up and and how you've been leading your company and, and all the communication lessons that you've learned along the way. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.